See, I love them. There's I, I, something that's in me that I have to... If I see a finch and, and I like him, he's nice and I hear him and I want him. I have to have him. And I could see three more and... Ah, I don't want them. Just something. When you see them, you want them. You look after him. You won't tell no one he's there. Now, for instance, two years ago, a white finch. I was after him for three months. I didn't get him, but he was pure white. In a deer, not a couple of miles off. I was after him for three months, never told a soul. No, I, I was applied at the time. I took time off from work. I was be sick to follow this bird every morning. I caught 20. There was 23 birds one day came into the field. I caught 20 finches. There was three birds left in the wire. The cock, the hen and the white finch. That is the cock, the father, the mother and that white finch. And I could not get him down. I prayed on my knees and I said to God, God, who give me that bird I let off the rest? And it happened. Down on my knees to pray to catch that bird and I never did. And I'll regret it for the rest of my life. I have seen the lark soar high at morn far to sing up in the blue. I have heard the blackbird pipe its note. And the thrush and the linnet too But there's none of them can sing as sweet My singing bird as you Ah, You find them, and uh, you watch them for a day or two, size them up. And you go in and buy maybe a couple of pounds of seed, canary seed, and you feed one particular spot. That is to say, you throw out your seed, scatter it along <coughs> where your birds are feeding. And you, you do that for two or three days. And you maybe go Every evening, have a look, see if they feed not right. See your birds go onto the spot. And one particular day, you go out with your knit, which could be 12 feet long, 4 feet wide, is about the average size. And you set it up, two poles, works on tension, one and anything else. You have a calling board, a catching board, we call it. He calls. And you also have a strap board, which prefer to be a hin, if you could. You strap your hin into the dead centre of the knit and your catching board at the back of the knit so that when the knit comes over it doesn't interfere with your cage board. Right? right you just step back. You, you have a rope maybe 100 yards long. Strong cord. You go back and you just wait. The birds come, to, come, they see the hen in the net and they hear the cock singing. That's the catching bird in the cage, it's calling. Plus the, the sight of the hen 
flying free, as we say. Right, all your bars come into the net, or maybe half, and you just pull. Now, if 40 bars come, and you have the patience, you'll catch 40 bars. 50 bars come into that net, you just wait, watch, and see that they're well in it, you'll catch 50 bars. Well, clap netting consists of two nets, which are around 20 to 25 feet long. They are 12 feet wide, but they're reduced to 3 foot 6, which makes it easier when the board lands in the net to hold him in the same position in the net, that he doesn't fly up and down and injure himself, which is vital when you catch him, because if he flies up and down the net too much, he'll be liable to hurt his wings, and he'll be liable to get out on you, and there might be one you would be looking for that he would get out on. And they are... They're, they're pulled across, as you call it, clap net. One net must close a fraction of a second, just just seconds. A second before one another. One net must close just in front of the other. So if the one comes down, the other comes down on top of him. So the board is on the left. When he flies, he flies to the right leaf. And when the board is on the right, when he flies, he sees the leaf coming up on his right, he goes to the left leaf. That's where you have to have one coming before the other. If they came together, they would fork. There's four poles on them which are three foot six and if they came together they would fork and form a sort of a, a steeple and the boards just fly out under the net. So you have to be accurate when you're setting them with the pegs, the poles, which are pull rope, which is about you're about forty feet to fifty feet away from the net was a pull rope. You have you that far away and you have your the coy boards all around your net and you have the special uh, feeding weeds that the boards feed on different times of the year. They must be put in the net. Like people try to catch them and just buy a grass and uh, it's not successful. No, we'll just say uh, some fella comes and he says to me, I love a, a finch out of such a place. And I might say to him, God, I have come in. And I give him a finch. And he may give me a few bob for him. It's not important, really. But I mean, then you'll have the big dealers coming. Now, they're the boys. They're there they to make money. And of course, I won't refuse the money. And they say to me, uh, I want 40 finches, 60 bullfinches, uh, 40 siskins, cocks. I want uh, 20 linnets. I call back in three weeks' time. See? I say, OK, fair enough. And from that day, when he leaves, the following morning, I start going. I will have to go and get my finches, and I have to go and get my siskins. I mightn't get the full amount, but I get very near it. Uh, the most I had in, in my place at one time was 150 cage boards mixed. The siskins and finches, plus a few bullfinches thrown in. It's siskin. They're called siskins. There's two kinds, a green and a buff. Now, we go after the green siskins because they're brighter in colour and they say they're better breeding, but I don't know. Well, I go out when the fishing season is all over and I have a salmon fly rod, 16 foot. And I make my own line, which is a, a knack in itself, like, because you won't buy it, you can't buy it. And I, I lime a small twig, say about a foot. And I put it into the top ring of the fishing rod. And I go under this tree, which would be the elder trees. We say September, October. 
siskins are feeding on these elders. And you go in under the tree and you watch the siskins coming down and you wait till they get within 14 feet of you. And you just ease up with the rod through the branches, pick out the bird you want and just tap him with this twig. This siskin, they feed upside down, see. All the time upside down. They never, when they're on these elders because the, the weight of the, the bud on the elder trees is hanging down so the siskin he has to go down underneath them the seed so his back is turned to all the time and you just lay the twig across his back and down he'll come stick into it I am very disturbed with liming I, I, I do not approve of liming birds I find the liming of birds is wrong for the simple reason why it pulls out feathers on the birds and it starts the, the growth of the feather later on when the bird gets back to feather nine times out of ten the feathers will come back the same way because when the bird flutters on the lime, he pulls the feather and maybe cracks the little shell that the feather is set in. And when the new feather comes, if the shell is cracked, the feather will either go off to the right or to the left or north, south, east or west, the feather will go. It will, it, nine times out of ten, it doesn't come back to on the same slant, lining with the other feather, which makes them uh, not eligible for showing. There's two, two types of bird lime, uh, linseed oil and holly bark. Holly bird lime, they call it. Now, one is made from raw linseed oil. You boil it. Point of raw linseed oil, you boil it. You have to have a, an iron pot because it's highly inflammable. And you boil this raw oil for four hours. Three to four hours it takes for this to boil. No matter what heat is under it, it will take three to four hours. You boil it four hours, I say. And after the third hour, a brown scum farms on the, on the pot. Now you have to stir it for one hour. When the time that brown scum comes on, boil it, you stir it. And as corn just done, you'll find it getting thick. Now you can make it as to any thickness you want. You make it strong, medium or light. Now in the winter, you make your lime light for the simple reason. The weather is cold and the oil is thick. In the lime, you make it light, you put on light on the twigs, little hole boards. In the summer, the heat, you have to have strong lime, otherwise it'll drip off the twigs. So, so. You make it your own thickness of what you need, or even half. You can do half light and half heavy on the, on the, the raw linseed oil. Then the other method, it takes it six weeks to make. That is, you have to take the back off of a holly tree preferably in the spring of the year when the sap is in it and you're buried we say for a week in, in cow dung preferably where there's heat see. and if we say after a week or, or maybe 10 days or what it's up to yourself like you take out this but it must be more than a week you take out this from where you have it and you'll find that the green back is coming away from a white pit on the inside of the holly Holly back itself, like it's divided. There's a green back skin, and then there's white. Well, it's the white part you want. So you brush off the green. You take this white pet, we call it, and you go to a stream. Running water. Now you must have running water. There's no good washing it in a bucket, or you have to have running water. And you get two flat stones, one about a foot in diameter, and a smaller one to pound it. And you put your white pet, as we call it now on the flat stone and you start pounding. You're breaking it up into small particles and you wash it 
and you'll put it back and you'll pound it and this is going on for an hour and after a while you'll find all the splinters is going away the white and you're left with this gum substance it is actually the sap that was inside and it's gum and the can't you pound it again like the the raw oil you'll uh, find it getting tacky and with this stuff you see this stuff water doesn't affect it you can catch birds in the rain or anywhere where you can't with the, the raw oil you can with the holly bark nothing affects it and it'll last for years and that is the two methods of making bird life Well, you take August, which is the middle of August, is the beginning when the birds are starting to colour out, which we start looking for fresh blood for the aviary, as we say. And we get the young goldfinch, which is on thistle, uh, sheet thistle, the linnets on sheet thistle, the red poles on sheet thistle, the siskins on sheet thistle, well, the chaffinch and, and the yellowhammer and, and the meadow pippers, they're all fly board. They're all fly catchers. They live on, 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 on green fly and so forth. They're a soft billboard that time of the year. And then as, as, the, as the months go on, you go on to the blackheads. So you go up here and you size it up. You'll see where your finches are feeding, as I say. And you feed a certain spot, preferably near a ditch, so that your birds can land on the ditch and straight down to your net. Now, when the black tops fade out, the finches rely more on this feeding. They rely more on, on this patch of ground that you're feeding. And you can catch as many as you want. But, again, as with the borderline, if for some reason or other you pull that knit and it fails to work or only half works, then birds are gone. And never again will you catch one in that spot with that knit. They won't come no more. No matter if, if we say the snow was two feet high, and they had any idea that that nit was there, they wouldn't come down. They'd stay all day up in the bush, looking down to you, waiting for you to go here. If I could lure my singing bird from her own coziness, if I could catch my singing bird I would warm her on my breast And it's on my heart My singing bird Would sing herself to rest Ah, ah, Well, the best decoy of the lot, of course, is a natural board. No, a dead board, preferably. If you can, if if you get so many boards, and you catch so many boards and some die, well, you always keep one, and you put him up over the cooker or whatever you have, and you draw him out. You see, you have to drive, otherwise he stinks. You draw him out for a few days over the cooker or the toaster, and you you get a wire. When he's dried out, he's hard. He's going to, he's like a stone, but he has, still has the colour, and he's still the, the board-like. And you put a, a wire through him, up through him, and uh, you tie him onto 
top of a bush, we say three or four feet high. The bush that you're going to put your budland twigs on, you see. You stand him on the highest part of it. Now he's one part of it. Then you have your your kitchen board. You put him under the bush. So they have the singing of the kitchen board and they can see the decoy. And I mean they just think it is the decoy to singing. Therefore you're going to catch twice as many birds as you would normally like. The catching bird is in a cage? Oh, he's in a cage, concealed under the bush. So you have him covered in. They, they can't see him, but they can hear him. But they can see the dead one. And I think it's the same bird, you see? So it, it draws him. When you use a live bird as a decoy, how do you tie the bird to the netter? Oh, yeah. Uh, for for a clap net, we'd say. You were nylon, a piece of nylon, four, about four pound break instead, and say fishing line. Of course, it is invisible. And you make a little harness, a figure of eight harness, so that the, the holes on the eight, the wings go through, and you bring a piece across underneath with a split ring, and you have a three inch nail. So you t- put his wings through the figure of eight, tie the other end onto your nail, and peg it down in the centre of the net possible in the centre of the net so that when the net comes over like you, your, your bird is dead safe, he's in underneath he's not going to get a step of the pole if you're too far out of the way, like the pole is liable to hit him or the cord on the head of it if he's too far out, you have to have him centre so that he's, that he's safe and the nylon will be about two feet long so that when he hears finches coming, or linnets if you're catching linnets when he sees the flock, he'll hear them and he'll start calling and your catching board is calling in the cage, you have him as well. And next, if the flock come, your board in the net lifts. Well, he has two feet, he can fly two feet high on this. And the flock sees him lifting, and of course, see him dropping again, and they straight into him. They think he's feeding, you see. So that's how you get your birds to drop where you want them, with this decoy. Good night. Windy night, dark windy night, preferably, so that they don't take that much notice. But and if they did, if you did disturb them before you, you could get your hands on them. They won't move with the, the night being so dark. But if there's a moon, they will. They take a chance, like and leave the bush. But normally, if a windy, dark night, rain don't matter. You get you fill your box of boards. A flash lamp, but well, a torch in my hand, preferably because uh, again I try to pick out the cocks. You, you pick out as they sleep. Each linnet sleeps when he's head under his wing. He's all puffed up for, uh, say, circulation. Keeps him warm, but more puff the feathers out of warm than they are. And each bird, you could maybe six in one branch, and you just go in with your lamp. And you look along, and you'll see your cock. Each linnet has a red chest. It's not, you won't see it somewhere. You have to look very close to see this red in the winter. Of course, in the summer, like he's like a robin. But in the winter, he dies off, he fades in the winter and you just look along and you just see your, well you're in within two feet of him and you just stand on it you pick out your bird pick him off the bench with your hand but it means your bird cap as we call it the box with a stocking on the top you just drop him in you take as many as you want as many as you need <coughs> that's lamp in the linnets well a crib is for a linnet so we associate cribs, linnets. You go and catch linnets when you make a crib. Uh, any square piece of wire, we say, 
quarter inch in diameter, maybe two feet square, complete two feet round, and inch chicken wire or lettuce wire as we call it. That you put the wire over the frame. Now you also have a band as we call it for the bird to hop on, plus a wire fork and a number seven. That is to say we shape another wire in a number seven. It's a very complicated thing to tell you. If you want to see it, it's to see it working like it's simplicity. It's very simple. Just these cribs, you can have 10, you can have 15 cribs and set them out in different areas. Now, you put down your crib, you set it, and you put seed in it. Preferably what the birds are feeding on at the time. And you just walk back and wait. And next you'll see one crib dropping. You mightn't see the bird because mostly... Where you're catching linnets, grass might be a bit high, the weeds might be a bit high, and you just keep your eye on your crib and you'll see one going down, just dropping, and you'll just mark it, and you're watching, and maybe you might have four cribs out, or when the fourth one is down, you walk over, and you have four birds, maybe sometimes you have six birds, two in, two in one, and, you know, but they're only made for one bird, two feet wide, like, easy to carry that way, you can carry so many, you know. Are there some birds more difficult than others to catch? Oh, yes. yes. The goldfinch, I'd say, he's the boy. He's the hardest fella to catch. Because you, you can only miss him once. If you miss him, he's burned. Never again will, he go and, will you get near him. You won't catch him. With that method, you'll have to try something else. Say, say you, you're catching him on birdlime. You have a decoy on, on a bush. You have seven twigs of birdlime out. You have your collar under the bush. And he comes, <clears throat> and when he sees the decoy on the top of the bush, which could be a dead bird, a goldfinch is dead, or you could make a model of one, paint him to the colour of goldfinch. And he could hang on your birdlime, and for some reason, maybe missed in the morning early, the birdlime wouldn't be that effective, you see. Or rain, birdlime wouldn't be effective, or too much sun, the birdlime may be runny, we'll say, watery. Your finch land on the birdlime, and the minute the goldfinch lands on a twig and his legs get caught, he'll drop. He'll pitch as an ardent bird and he'll drop straight away. For the simple reason, the weight of his body will pull him off. That's the only reason he'll drop. When he finds his legs caught, he'll throw his whole weight forward, he'll hang down like an apple, we say, and the weight of his body takes him off. Now, if that happens, never again... <clears throat> will you catch that finch? Well, never again will he make the mistake of coming to that bush. You'll have to go away, change everything, come back, set up something different to catch him. Net, crib. Miss netting. Of course, you can't get a net here. You have to send England for these nets. They're uh, 20 feet high, but 9 foot long. An average, that's the average size. And you go where there's bullfinches feeding and pivot or if the, the apple trees in the orchards are low enough, you'll, you'll get them there. Set your mist net on two bamboo poles between the trees. Right now that there's plenty of cover or scrub or anything like that. You set your mist net between two sets of cover, we'll say. And you, you know where your bullfinches are on the right and, and you set your mist net in the centre and there's another cover on the left. When you have your net up, it's 20 foot high now, it's 9 foot long. 
you go in around the cover and you bait the bushes, we call it baiting the briars. And the bullfinch, when any disturbance come in the bush, he's inclined to drop down instead of lift it like a normal bird, like a finch or a linnet, and lift and fly away, he'll drop more toward the ground. He's alarmed, you see, and he's not going to fly out and get snatched, we'll say. He'll stay low and he'll work his way out at the very edge of the cover. You're beating one side, he's working his way out to the other edge, and all of a sudden he darts to the next clump of cover. Of course, the mist net is in the way, and he's straight into it. <laughs>